Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Good day, everyone, and welcome back to the One Hope Church Special Edition Lenten Podcast from the Book of Mark. This is James with you today. And I have to say, I'm quite excited to be able to share a message with you here on National Pie Day. A day that, although unheralded so far, with official recognition as a U.S. national holiday, it still remains a day of celebration for geeks and nerds all the world over, who are all commemorating today with the customary tradition of baking pies and solving trigonometric reductions. So, grab a slice, pull up a chair, make yourself comfortable as we ponder this biblical equation before us. Today's reading is from Mark, starting at verse 35, continuing on into chapter 6, verse 6. This reading juxtapositions two seemingly paradoxical lessons on faith in back-to-back accounts, revealing some important understanding about the power of preconceptions and how they can affect us. So we pick up today at the tail end of the story Peter covered yesterday with the healing of the woman who had touched Jesus' garments. If you recall, that event happened while Jesus was on his way to the house of a synagogue leader named Jairus, who had asked Jesus to come heal his daughter from a grave illness. While on the way, a large crowd gathered around Jesus to see what was up, which gave cover to this woman who had been suffering from her condition, and allowed her to be healed just by touching his clothes and trying to get away uh, anonymously. Of course, that didn't happen, as we heard yesterday. And in response to that, Jesus says something that I find to be kind of startling. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. You hear that address? A little catch in my voice as I got verklempt. Daughter, that's the word Jesus calls a woman who has suffered, as Peter had mentioned, from a possible uterine infection for 12 years. Now, at this time... Jesus was probably around 30 years of age himself. This woman really could not have been much younger than he is and might even have been older. And yet, he calls her daughter. So hold on to that point as we move ahead. Our text today opens up now with all the people approaching the crowd after this moment and delivering the news that Jairus' daughter is dead. Now, in the typical fashion of Mark as a gospel writer, He gets straight to the flat-out points of the story with very little embellishment. Mark is basically the Ernest Hemingway of gospel writers in that sense, and so we're left to fill in the blanks ourselves. Now, as the father of a daughter, I can only imagine the suffering and sadness that must have accompanied Jarius throughout this last parts of his life as he helplessly watched his little girl suffering and slowly slipping away. He's made this last attempt to draw the attention of a holy man who's said to be a healer, and he's actually succeeded in getting that holy man to come to his aid. And they're on the way. I can just imagine the seeds of Jairus' desperate hope that maybe it's going to be all right, followed by the mounting frustration that must have filled him as the crowd pressed around and slowed them down. And then to top it off, here this unclean woman kind of gets into the middle of the picture, and stops the whole procession up for a few more minutes. 
I don't know about you, but I think I'd be starting to freak out a little bit and probably getting a little mad because we're so close and it just feels like it's slipping away. But Jesus had called this woman daughter right in front of him. And I don't think that was an accident or a coincidence. I think he was clearly making a point. This suffering, unclean woman was just as valuable to Jesus as the sick, suffering child of a synagogue leader, despite the great difference in their probably class status, and that both, and that she deserved uh, mercy and healing just as much. Now in despair, the messengers deliver the news that Jairus' daughter is dead, and here's the preconception. Your daughter is dead, they say. Why bother the teacher anymore? What's the point now? It's too late. She's dead. But before Jairus can say anything, Jesus reassures him hope is not lost. He says, don't be afraid, just believe. And they go to the house, and then Jesus performs a miracle. Far bigger, far more powerful, far more unexpected than anyone was, was, was imagining, I'm sure. Which, you know, was the point, of course. And I don't think it should be lost on us that Mark mentions one other very interesting little detail. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. She had spent the same amount of time on earth as the amount of time that woman had been suffering from her bleeding. Now here they are, both delivered on the same day by the same God that gave them life in the first place. Both daughters now restored. Now, after this big climactic moment, seems like things can't do anything but just get bigger and better, right? And yet, they don't. Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth to teach, just as he had in so many other synagogues. And once again, the preconceived notions come into play. Where did this man get these things, they say? What is this wisdom given? Hey, isn't this that carpenter kid, that son of Mary? Who does this guy think he is? We know this kid, he grew up here. And now he's trying to pass himself off as some kind of prophet? I don't think so. That just doesn't happen here, gang, not in Nazareth. Maybe all the other rubes out there in the countryside are fooled, but we know better. Yeah, preconceptions. The ultimate defense mechanism. I think we all kind of probably know what this is like. Imagine if this was happening in the modern times. and What would be the chances that the God of the universe grows up in our hometown? Grows up right here in Little Gig Harbor. Goes to Purdy Elementary, plays t-ball on the same team that our kids play on, then heads off to learn his trade in carpentry, then comes back, and now he's a prophet and a miracle worker, capable of breaking the laws of nature right in front of our eyes? What are the chances of that happening, you might say? Well, I'll tell you. The chances of that happening are really, really, really small. But, at the same time, there's also this. If it happened at all, it had to happen somewhere to someone. So, as you read through this message today, think about preconceptions. Think about your own preconceptions, our preconceptions as a church, as a community. What things might God be doing right here in our midst 
that we don't recognize as his hand simply because we just think that can't happen to us. It's not because he can't do it. We all recognize omnipotence, right? But it's different to think he would do it for us because after all, what's special about us? Why would we, why would we merit that? Well, maybe we just need to be a little more open to the possibilities that God has in store for us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for these stories about faith and its central place in our lives as your disciples, your friends, your children. Help us cast off our preconceptions and be open to seeing your work right here in our midst. Help us not put any limits on what you can do just because it seems inconceivable. After all, resurrection from the dead is inconceivable too, but you did it anyways. And for that, we thank you. Amen. Have a great pie day, everyone. And just remember that if you ever hear the expression pi r squared, don't be fooled. Pi are round. It's cake that's square.